Hey, Black Queer Love family. You are tuning in to Black Queer Love, a podcast by Black queer folks exploring relationships, sex, love, pop culture, life, art, and more. I am Elise, the sexual ethicist, and I'm here with my supporting hosts, Dore Michelle, the storyteller, and Jay Hooper, the body practitioner. And we are pleased to offer you our very first episode of Black Queer Love, Ethical Non-Monogamy, Part 1. When we put out a call to people to figure out what what topic interests folks most, what do people want to hear about most, the thing that we received the most in our inbox was this question of ethical non-monogamy, or polyamory as it's often expressed. So I'm wondering why this topic is on so many people's minds, or, or why all of a sudden, whether it's on um, Insecure or whether we're watching uh, Spike Lee's new joint or something, we were seeing these conversations about polyamory. Why do y'all think that polyamory is becoming like a, a topic of interest for folks these days? Um, you know, at this point, I mean, I, I think a lot of people have gotten to a place where love is... Love is always in being being in search of. Whether we know what love is, we're interested in seeking out frameworks of it so that we can also interact with it and maybe in some way redefine it. I think that most people right now are in this place where they kind of need to, you know, explore, you know, as often has been said lately, you know, what does love look like? Um, because that has never technically been in anybody else's control but societies and so now people are taking a very kind of you know shared individualistic approach and reimagining and re and reconfigurating and uh and reclaiming and re-narrating these this, these notions around love these concepts around love and how people behave with with this with with this idea so whether it is through sex that you know or whether it is through simply a, a dinner date companionship uh, it's something about constantly redefining um the kind of what what our social norms have dictated us uh, dictated to us for years Right. And I'm I'm intrigued because I know that these things have been going on for centuries in various cultures, uh, various parts of the world. And then we land on the United States or, or this this um, colonial exercise of the West where they come to uh, who we're not calling North America or not, or not calling the United States and. Uh, bring with them this sort of Protestant work ethic, this Protestant framing that says one man, one woman, some children, we're going to work the farm, we're going to work and we're going to spread Christianity, da, da 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 And all that's connected to uphold a system of wealth, a system of family, of, of, of an ideal of what family is. But all the while, of course, we know people are, are doing all manner of things that they want to do to explore yeah. sexuality while the norm is being framed as this ideal, this monogamous ideal. What do you, what do you think, Sore? Well, I, I kind of think about like what it means to have a soulmate, right? Which is what the pool of monogamy is, is that there's mm -hmm. only one person for me in the world, and I have to find that one person mm -hmm. and be with them for the rest of my life, forever and ever, amen. And the thing is, we're realizing that we're making connections with a lot of people nowadays because of social media or because we're traveling more, what have you. And like you said, these are not new notions. You know, mm -hmm. our ancestors have done this. I mean, hell, there are elders, you know, mamas and pops that, that talk about doing these things but never told them to us. Right. So it, sound, it feels like something we're just like falling into or just came upon, but it's something that's actually been existing in the world and probably just exists in our spirits for a very long time. Mm. And so we're, as we're meeting new people and we're making new connections, we're realizing that there there are things that we can get um, out of our relationships with, with one person that we're not necessarily going to get from the other, but um, in very beautiful ways, um, there are shared experiences that enhance who we are. And, and so we, we don't want to sacrifice ourselves in the same mm -hmm. ways that we have before. You are pushing up against 
Disney's um, plots of all of their films. Of course. <laughs> for of like course. the last couple of decades. Well, well, you where, know, where you are, you are everything for one person. That one person is everything for you. And, and, and love I is mean, sacrificial, right? Right. Love is sacrificial. Love has been, you know, illustrated as this thing of like, you just give, 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 give. And you have to be this certain way in order to you know, I'm going to say trap somebody mm. and be with them for the rest of their lives. And the moment that things go wrong, I did something wrong. So you go into like this self-deprivating, self-loathing state mm-hmm. instead of just looking at the facts. And facts might be we were never meant to be together in, in to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and we get, you know, lost in these relationships and we lose ourselves and what have you. And, and, and the same way that we have, you know, an influx of people who are, you know, who are now prioritizing being successful over having children, you know, yeah. and now prioritizing their brand or their businesses, what have you. They're now prioritizing, you know what? I have to love myself in this process. And part of loving myself in this process is that, like, I don't always want to choose. And I don't always want to feel like I, I have to choose in a way that. Um, there's only one person I can be with for the rest of my life. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but I think that in the same way that we all have our unique p- particular ways of being in the world, um, whether that be our learning styles, whether that be um, the way that we speak or what have you, we also have that in our, our relationships. Yeah. And I think this this needing to choose or this needing to fit into this norm is really like driving people to shame on on one end when they can't live up to these norms, but also just like not so great for relationships in general. So we know that the divorce rates continue to be around 50% or so. So it's a hit or miss on the marriage market. Uh, And, and folks are having kids less, right? So, one source, uh, the National Center for Health Statistics, found that uh, the birth rates have been declining uh, in people groups under 30 years old. So we see that people are changing relational norms, at least in the United States. This is our, our context that we're working with primarily. And it really makes you wonder, how are we as black queer people able to shape our realities Um, particularly calling on the queer within ourselves to challenge notions of what should be and how things have been and taking the opportunity to just construct something new, to try something different so that we can have pleasure, so that we can have fulfillment, so that we can have a good bit of what we want. Because as far as I know, we only going to do this thing once. Yeah. I I don't know. We might be in this vessel. (laughs) (laughs) Might run it, run it back. Nobody believes in reincarnation. I mean, if I come back as a deer, at least I can now like have as many partners as I want. Yo, we were talking about this earlier. The thing is, like, what if you come back as a fly or something? Yeah, like, literally, like, like, your like three days. Like, yeah, <laughs> like thirty seconds. You know, like I, I don't know. I don't know. I want to ask a question that I hate because um, I've heard it a lot in my community work in my. My academic work, this this question around, are people born this way? Particularly, they're talking about LGBTQ people uh, when they talk mm-hmm. about, are people born this way? But I've also seen the question raised about whether polyamorous people are born this way, right? So I want to just tweak it a little bit and, and ask if you all think that people are born with propensities toward poly being and loving maybe if it's not in in there um like oh you are going to be polyamorous put it in your dna or are they just people who in general like to have a lot of options are they just people who uh like to do things a little differently and in that sense they are hardwired for polyamory what do y'all think I, I think I think it could be both. You know, I, I think about myself sometimes, and, and there are definitely times that I've been in love triangles, but I don't know if that was just me being young and, and, and just, you know, being in love life with two different people. But I feel like polyagamy is something that you have to be mature enough to handle, so it is a growing in two. 
could be that, yeah. yes, you, you might have the propensity for it, but, like, you also have to be mature enough to handle it. Right. You know, like, it's not an easy thing to just slip into. It, it does require you to, to have consent, to have communication that goes above and beyond what we're used to having or what we're used to even seeing modeled for us. Right. Because if you want to practice the ethical part... Uh, right. There's some disclosure. There's some um, concern for your partners, and and, that, and exactly. it's not just people out here. Uh, I mean, you know, actually, maybe it is sometimes people just wilding out. But they have the consent, and the um, their 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 relationships have created the space for them to explore as wildly and as beautifully as they would like. Right. So no shame on walling out if that's what you want to do i would like it to be ethical ethical walling out yes hashtag it oh. <laughs> <laughs> ethical walling what were you saying jay i mean i see life as an experience that's that's where i'm at right like i mean i myself i don't even i take words with a grain of salt i i take i take you know particular like I, I mean even when it comes down to feelings I'm, I'm like oh that's how you feel right now right um, and so I, I love to hear people say oh I would never <laughs> I could never imagine I said that once me too and I'm, <laughs> you know I'm, see, this is why I came with this framework Jokes earlier on you. See, I, I, you know I mean I, this is true like I mean we, we did we stayed in this conversation forever it was just like I was like, but no, that's how you feel right now. Like, you know, the, and, and, and I think I think it's just this idea that, too, like, people are so stuck in in this kind of duality of, like, I want to be wrong and I want to be right. You know, or I, I want to be, you know, I have to, you know, I, I either, you know, I need to be monogamous or I need to be, right, if, I, if I'm not monogamous, then I'm cheating. Right? We, right. We go for, and we go from these very deep extremes. We just go... Very, very deep, and we're and we're hard on ourselves. These, I mean, I, I, dualism is probably one of the one of the most things that that, that that freaks me out with the society most of all because there are no grays. It, everything is an extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are either red or green, and if you if you if you said that you were in the middle, well then you're brown, and then somebody's gonna look at you and say, "Oh, that's not a color. That's just a neutral." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and so then you've been disowned. And you and, and and so for me, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, well, what does it mean to like at this point be non-monogamous and and and, and things like that? I'm like, well, it is, you know, are you born this way? I don't really care. Yeah, right. Like what I care about is like, I love my life. I'm very well loved. I'm very honored in my in my relationship, and I'm also very well respected. Exactly. If you can't get with those, if you can't get with those three things, and you can't give me those things back, there are people in monogamous relationships that are not honored, that are not respected, mm. and that are not loved. And there are enough people who are sitting in spaces that have even that they have waited, they have waited for ten years, and fifteen years. Just seeing one person hmm. to pop a big question, hmm. to ask them for full commitment, oh to get the, and they don't want to even work through a process. There are some people who are like clink clink locked down. I'm gonna wait till I'm married, and they are st- and, and they are holding out to that amazing person comes along with maybe a little bit of Jesus or some <laughs> spiritual kind of like I just and for me I'm like, well you know I get it. You consider that discipline. You consider that commitment. You consider that dedication. I'm all down for whatever your practice is. But the truth of the matter is, is this. It doesn't take all day to recognize sunshine. That is something that I was listening to when I was listening for Water for Chocolate on that album years ago with Common. <laughs> and immediately, I was like, it's, it's so true. You can do, you learn, you know somebody in about three months. Unless you just being shady and hiding yourself. Well, I mean, people wear masks, though. I mean, mean, people wear their masks and they're on tight. How long do you? How long do you really want the the, like keep the honeymoon thing going, right? Like, 
Right. After a while, it, it is what it is. Well, I, I think something something that you said made me think about, you know, the fact that um, some people are scared to or are not open to being in a process of becoming. And so they feel like, you know, um, if they are in a relationship, that they have to stay the same way they were in the beginning of the relationship. And a lot of people, you know, that are in marriages or long-term relationships, they have some issues when people change, right? you know? And, and, and they're, they're just like, wait a minute. That's not who you were, you know, five years ago, five months ago, five days ago. But the thing is that we have to be open to the fact that we're all going to be changing our minds, like you said. You know, like I was that person that said, ain't no way in hell I'm going to be in an open relationship because that's not the way that I made up. And in reality, I was changing. So even as fast as I said that, you know, <laughs> I, I, I started thinking and expanding on my, my thinking around love and, and you know, it, it started to transcend in a way you know and and I opened up my heart more not just to how I thought about love and relationships but how I thought about myself as as a human and as as we were just talking about like these Disney characters that are either good or bad you know but what does it look like to be wholly human mm -hmm. what does it look like for me to be wild and holy and you know and, and a little ratchet you know mm -hmm. all at the same time <laughs> And that's honestly who we all are. We right. all are, you know, all of these things at once. Mm. And and we have to be open to embracing that in each other. And this is this is making me think of my my hell no moment. This is making me think of my hell no moment when I was in the park with my friend and he said to me, "Why don't you what do you think about that?" And I was like, "Hell no." Hell no, because this was the second time that I was revisiting I was revisiting this question. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't like it the first time. I'm never doing it again. And we had a nice little kiki around that. And um, sometime later, here we are. And I'm engaging this, this uh, polyamorous configuration because I too, like you said, was being changed even as I said, hell no. What I really was doing was responding from from wherever or like hell no I don't want to do that and I'm sure in my mind I was processing well what would that look like if I did xyz and 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 me being me I'll try everything twice so this is the twice and I said to myself as I started to think about love and the call of love and and I'm I, I'm a person who who thinks in terms of of spirit and I say to myself I feel like spirit is always calling me, at least, to expansion and to to more inclusion and to bigger and to greater and to 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 open, not to close, not to contract, yeah. not to hide, not to 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 say no. That's too hard. It's always I feel like spirit's always saying, open, open, and it's like if that's my value. And it has become my value as a as a as a human being who wants to exist in this world with other beings and and wants to create space for for everyone where everyone can be welcome or at least everyone of goodwill. I say to myself, how can I be committed to expansiveness and openness and at the same time be like, but I, but I ain't gonna let nobody else but this one person who gonna who gonna um who gonna be my my um my rib or this 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 person ain't gonna be able to love nobody else and they ain't gonna be able to do that because the 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 expansiveness stops right here mm -hmm. the expansiveness doesn't go into this this person this interpersonal relationship this love relationship it stopped right here i have friends i have family members there are many there are many and 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 i'm supposed to have one lover that's the the narrative mm -hmm. and so then people have to we don't we don't have models, right? So people have to go out here with trial and error and create something new, depending upon their communities to create something new and try what hasn't been practiced or what our ancestors what didn't tell us about. Practiced. Right. Right. <laughs> right. They were until doing you talk it. About and they don't want to tell nobody. Yeah. They don't want to tell nobody mm -hmm. until until the funeral. And they'd be like, Oh, you know he he had a family uh in in this in <laughs> exactly <laughs> He had exactly. another family. Uncle Junebug and them. Come on. Yeah. 
I wish he would have lived into his truth. Exactly. Exactly. And I think I think too, like we have to begin to the, the problem. Well, you know, the problem that people have it is the fact that that things can be public. If you were doing this mess secretly in your bedroom, you wouldn't have a problem. Mm. Um, and so <laughs> exactly. Start asking questions about if if you're boring this way and everything, and I don't. I, I often find that you know that's that's really people's bigger issue is that they you know it, it's because it's it, 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 it's out in the public. Not necessarily that, you know, and, and because mm. they don't know how, and they don't know how to deal with public discourse, mm-hmm. nor do they know how to reclaim their narrative in front of folks, you know, it, it's challenging. Right. Yeah, it's like they're trying to justify well, what yeah. makes them, you know, navigate the way that they do. And this whole question of were 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 the were the gays born that way? It, it, it's it's intended to or or for for gay and lesbian bisexual people to say yes i was born this way i was born this way and i and i hope people are not offended deeply by what i'm saying but i do think that that's growing out of a desire to normalize queerness to normalize quote-unquote homosexuality so that we can say hey we're just like everybody else we're not pedophiles like like y'all have said that we are for decades we're not trying to recruit people xyz not recruiting anybody who don't want to be recruited xyz so i mean it's like it's this <laughs> it's this desire to normalize so that so that we can and, and and so that we can get gay married so that we can be normal again in that sense and it's like but what about just actually being queer and subverting the norming and creating new spaces for who you are and how you want to be and how you want to become and and jay when you talked about like People don't want to be open and out. Um, they want to do. People want these things to be done be- behind closed doors because they don't have like a public discourse. It reminds me of a question that uh, a member of our Black queer family has sent to us, and that question is, how do you navigate being out as Polly in your personal and professional lives? This person asks. What advice would you offer for someone seeking to be more public in their poly lifestyle? Now to this, I'm going I'm to let y'all speak. But I'm going <laughs> to just say, firstly, just be ready for some criticism. Be ready for some judgment. Be ready for people to, uh, to question your mental health. Be ready for what, what, what generally happens whenever you challenge an established norm. Whenever you step outside the ideal and and what people have have prescribed as as what is um what what is supposed to be, right? So I mean, we as black people, we already push against the norm of whiteness. And so we know what it's like to uh just live in subversion. Queer people, we know what it is to live in subversion. And and I think that polyamory is just another expression of that like being ready for the challenge to to really your personhood and that comes with its risks i'm i'm definitely not downplaying it there's a price to pay for authenticity there's a price to pay for for living your truth and i'm gonna just leave it right there what y'all say well i mean for myself um just personally um I made sure that before I became um, out, if you will, on social media as someone in a poly configuration, that I talked to my mom first, you know, and I just, I didn't just talk to my mom, you know, I, I talked to my grandmother and, you know, we went down there and we, we spent time with them and, you know, I also had to come to a place in myself where, you know, kind of going back to our, our, you know, previous conversation around this is the only life I'm going to have. It's like, well, how do I want to live it? Do I want to live my life in a way where I'm being myself to the fullest? Or do I want to, you know, conceal parts of myself for the sake of not embarrassing my family or not embarrassing my friends or what have you? And, you know, for the most part, people are definitely accepting 
whether or not that's just that they're accepting in person and say things behind my back, but that's going to happen regardless. Um, one of the things my mother always told me is that I can't be so concerned about what other people think. Hmm. And, um, and I, I think that's the bigger thing is that you can't be concerned with what other people think because they're going to think what they want to anyways, whether you tell them what's going on or not they're going to think whatever they want to think. And they're, they're going to sit and they're going to gossip or what have you, and you can't be worried about that. Um, in terms of my professional life, you know, I, I work at a job where they, they know, you know, and, and you know, they, they've met both Jay and Elise, and, and they, you guys are able to come and support me there. And nobody is questioning, nobody is is saying anything or threatening my job in any way. But I also live in a way where um, I have the privilege of being an artist. Mm. And, <laughs> and so for my profession, I create whatever I want to make happen. And if I am in a space where they don't want me, I don't have to be in that space. Mm-hmm. And I won't be in that space. Mm-hmm. As It's also caused me to um, dig really deep and find a lot of security within myself for those very reasons I've had to I've had to really get to know myself in a different way where I'm not going to be shaken by any comments and I'm I'm not going to be shaken when someone has something negative to say when someone believes oh that's just unhealthy or that doesn't make any sense and it's okay you have to realize it's okay for it not to make sense to other people and it's not your job to make it make sense for other people it's your job to be yourself, love people, and 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 live your life. I mean, that, it was it was well said. It's almost like I don't want to answer. Um, Aww. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm from the old school. You don't preach over preachers. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> you know, you don't. I mean, you Say know, I mean, you know, to to add it to add to the brilliance, to add to 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 the brilliance that was that was just spoken. You know, I, I think I think it is important that um, that you recognize who you are in the midst of those who do not want to give you recognition. Mm. Uh, William Stafford, a poem by William Stafford called "A Ritual to Read to Each uh, Reach, uh, a Ritual to Read to Each Other," states that uh, it's important that we that you know that we kind of recognize the fact. Right? Um, I think it's very interesting when. When, when that's stated because you know and then and but also be clear mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I find that to be very important when when operating from a place of non-monogamy um, love fluidity relational fluidity and whatever you want to call it I think it's also important to to also create new terms to establish new terms so that people don't put you in a box and then operate from a place of cultural competency where they think they know you, but they operate from a place of cultural humility and they ask, you know, appropriate questions to, in some way, learn to appreciate you in your relational dynamic. I think it has, I, I think of anything like, you know, when I see pictures of, of, uh, of Elise and, and Michelle, like I'm, I'm immediately like, okay, like, all right, well, they're taking pictures today. I mean, if I was on it, if I was on any other, you know, social media platform, I'm sure I need to affirm, you know, like I'd affirm anybody else. Why would I not affirm this? You know, I think, I think, and, and, and I think too, I believe in taking back the narrative. I do believe that. I do believe in like making sure that we dismantle as much as possible this human condition that wants to be so oppositional against anything that calls out for authenticity it's like oh i how dare they be authentic you know like like, it's like it's like first of all don't get mad at me because i'm unapologetic second of all figure out why you were triggered oh Mm mm-hmm oh and, you know. and that's and that's what it is too. A lot of it is that they're curious. They're like, "How the hell do you make this even work? You know, what is this? I don't even know how that even makes sense. How did you guys arrive at this conclusion that this is what you want to do? 
And it's, it's, it's fear, too, of maybe I could do that, but what would I look like doing that? What would my people say? So curiosity plus fear ends up like looking like a like be like what the what the hell is going on over there? Well, they have what to dismiss it. They have to debunk yeah, right. it because right. if they don't, that makes it too real. That means that it is real. Mm. You know, like it, it is not. It's it's not a performance anymore. It's it's oh my gosh, this is living, breathing. You know, it's it's reality. It's it can happen to anyone, and few people well, would I, I dare. Think, I think that's important to kind of also like, and I, and I think about this as as it relates to um, voice class that I'm doing. They talk about um, talk about this framing within the uh, within the rib cage, uh, and often students go through the exercise of having to put their hands on, um, particularly within the area of the bosom, and they ask the student to kind of still, you know, to speak and present their speech or their monologue or whatever the script is and, um, and live out the meaning and the voice of that, of that, of, of that, of that character. But what's so interesting is that, that, that area that they're holding, they are supporting what's called the intercostal. And so it's the air capacity that is, like truly interesting like all all it does is expands it keeps expanding Mm. it fills up with air but if it fills up with too much air right what happens is it shrinks the voice but with the right support you do not you don't end up spreading out the air you end up navigating the air so that in the end the person can speak intelligent intelligently uh with, with some intelligibility uh intelligibility is uh, how we say it and then you also have the ability to articulate yourself in that speaking and i think it's one of the most interesting exercises that we do in theater um you know when when, when, when being able to and i often think about that like how many times like you know growing up and praying like how important it was for someone to lay hands on you and to help you navigate uh, to spaces of deliverance, spaces of healing, spaces of love, um, because I, I find that that is what you can obtain within being in spaces uh, where you know love is a spirit, you know, and it should and it, and it should be that, and so we should be able to you know gird each other um and 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 protect each other's heart and at the same time help navigate to spaces of love and healing uh through you know through supporting each other and that's something beautiful and it doesn't happen just between you know monogamous people it happens across the board that's a community that's that, that really should be a communal you know affirmation that we need to learn how to undergird each other and hold each other enough so that we can get to a place where we get rid of a lot of the trauma that society has caused us to constantly dictate to each other just based off of our own lived performance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of healing, um, it, it just it just brings up for me the point that, you know, anytime you live your truth is healing, mm-hmm. Right. But anytime you can expand and be expansive with your tribe, with your community, that's healing for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, for a lot of people, when they hear about our relationship and and they, they learn about some of the inner workings of it, they're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like it's it's inspirational for them because they can see how powerful love can be when you um, allow yourself to be open in that way. So for the listeners who who don't know, um, talk about our relationship configuration. We are in a configuration where Jay and I are life partners and Elise and I are each other's beloved and um, Jay and Elise are family together we have um formed a triad where we are um together as family and support one another and love one another and that's what it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) so 
So we want to share some of the responses to our question of the day, which was posed to our Instagram Black Queer Love community. And the question was, um, have you or would you engage ethical non-monogamy? Why or why not? And we have a couple of responses that we want to share just as we want to bring our stories into the space. Various perspectives are being shared. You've heard our perspective, so now we want to share that of others of our community. So, here's the question of the day. Um, which is, starts off as absolutely not. Why not? Mainly because it's against the spirit and my religious beliefs on relationship, commitment, and marriage. I'm able to separate polyamory from swinging and don't agree with either, for me at least. I don't always think it's about lust, but I think it is a, a huge part of the desire. I believe it is a distraction from dealing with the root of what leads to its desire. Failing relationships, marriage, and securities, it's challenging enough to devote to one, let alone any additional it's impossible to treat all persons involved equal. In addition to religious texts, my experience with polyamory experience lay for peers in my personal circle have not set a good example. So that's that's one perspective. And end up to one point that the person raised to make a distinction between polyamory and swinging polyamory, poly meaning many, amory meaning loves, many loves, swinging tends to focus more on um, sex than um, relationships. So there is a distinction and this uh, person does raise that. So um, that's a good point for our community to consider. Any other thoughts we wanna have on that before we move on to our next perspective? What is love if not spirit? I, I don't know if I, I, I can separate that. And, and and what greater way to express that spirit of love than to love people, to love each other, to, to love making connections and, and building and relationships. And I, I don't want... Hmm. I think it's also important to say that... Um, you know, as far as it being a distraction, um, that it would not be a good distraction <laughs> because um, you are investing in another relationship. And it is it is investment. And it's, really magnifying yeah, your own relationship absolutely. by choosing to enter another one. Like, absolutely. If you thought you were going to run away with another relationship. I mean, if, if anything, I mean, honestly... For myself, being in a triad where I am kind of like in the middle, um, I see so many reflections of myself um, and I'm not escaping anything. There's no way for me to, you know, escape from any kind of insecurities or because it's in my face 24-7. When you're in a relationship, a committed relationship with one person, you, you see a reflection. There's, there's a mirror there, here or there. You know, and you can dodge and weave a little bit. But when you have two people, there is a mirror at every corner. And then some, and then especially when they, they both see the same things and they're, they're both telling you the same things, you're like, shit, I am like that. I got to do something about that. So if anything, you're, you're doing deeper reflection, you're having deeper connection, and there's nothing for you to run away from because it's going to be in your face. So I, I don't know, you know, in terms of distractions, I feel that's more like geared towards like um, if you are cheating within a relationship and you have somebody who is just like on the side and that could be a whole nother conversation where where people, you know, have like people on the side and that could be more of an escape because you aren't invested in the same ways. It's not like, you know, you're, you're sharing things the same way, like in finances and stuff like that. But when you are in two committed relationships where those things are happening, there's no escape. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, that's real. I think, I think one of my main things that kind of sits with me within, within, uh, within, um, 
But then the thought is, is like, there is a, a sense of work, um, which I think is quite interesting. I, I don't, I, I try to be very mindful of when I, you know, it's like, it's, she says it's challenging enough. Um, and I think like this idea of like, if one person is challenging, I would highly suggest that you need to then go back and look at yourself because you being able to look at one relationship and that, while in a relationship and see it as challenging. I think the other component is like, well, what is it already with the, also that within you that you were challenged by that when you come to the table or come to a relationship, it becomes an additional challenge. Hmm. Because I think a lot of times, you know, we're so quick to go, oh, you know, relationships are too much work. I mean, eh, one person is too much. Like, like, honestly, like, let's, let's, you know, let's do some self-inventory before we go hopping into some type of relationship. Um, let, let's do some real work. Let's really do some cross-examination of ourselves Because sometimes the challenges that you're facing within any relationship, period, is stems from you and your idiosyncrasies. It doesn't matter how much we understand. It doesn't matter how much we've read. I I, I love the fact. Yes, I I studied in. I, you know, I studied theology. I went through it, and that doesn't mean I know everything about God. I, I studied arts and cultural administrations. It doesn't. That, that doesn't mean just because I got a degree in it. It doesn't mean that I know every museum, you know, policy that is you know that is working within, uh, you know, the nation. Um, what 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 my job is to do is to, to see how my skills and my contribution and, 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 and the way that I offer myself to someone or some other or some space like what do I give and when I give it you know how does it not challenge but how does it affect those around me um, and so, and so I, I do push back against this idea of thinking about you know, even a monogamous relationship as challenging, we we should be cultivating each other. And nobody said cultivation is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think I think you know any experience you know out of that is fine. I think too, like you know, it's important to also understand that regardless of 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 our individual love practices, there is no greater practice than a practice of understanding, like. Bible aside, spirit aside, even if you're not, even if you're not even religious, a community like straight up, your history aside, your you know your own personal family development aside, practice understanding. And that, while relationships do take effort, it ain't gotta be toil and trouble. <laughs> Whoa! Exactly, no. <laughs> right, like I wouldn't even approach it in that way. Double, double toil and tra- I don't know. Yeah, that's a witch's I mean, brew. Like, yeah, and I'm just, not here for yeah, it. Yeah, your relationship like should strengthen you. Yeah, you. It's like a bad hymnal. It's like, oh, I'm coming up on, <laughs> on the rough side. side. Love that rough side. Listen. <laughs> Let me, we gotta move on. I we want to share another uh, perspective offered by another one of our Black queer family members to our question of the day. They said, "I wouldn't do it if I was partnered already, but I'm currently not partnered, and I would be open. I'm open to the idea because it seems to provide space for the ultimate amount of pleasure." I want to read that again. I'm open to the idea because it seems to provide space for the ultimate amount of pleasure. I'm also not sure if I ever truly faithfully have been a monogamist. I'm not into sharing the person I'm partnered with. However, I don't mind being shared. My truth. L-O-L. You just a freak, Nick. You just a freak, Nick. The ultimate pleasure. And got the nerve to laugh at the end. <laughs> little, little joke. But um, just one thing that I I want to um, to talk about is this um, this idea of of sharing. I think the idea of ownership that we are taught 
exactly. in um, relationship configurations. I, I like this song by Beyonce and Drake where it's like, fuck what you heard. You're mine. You're mine. Long as you know who you belong to. And you know, I groove to it, but it's problematic mm. uh, for someone to, for someone to believe that ownership is the proper sort of way of, or even the fruitful way, or even the, um, the loving way to relate to another human being. I think what I, what I do love, uh, what is the beauty of a polyamorous configuration is that nobody's being forced to be anywhere by way of ownership and that every day is a choice to be together. And something about when you're mine and I'm yours and we have these these rings and we have this paper and all of these things of that nature, it says uh, we belong to each other. And the songs say it and it sounds great, but when someone believes that they own someone, I can see how sharing would be a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who did not like to share my toys when I was a child. I still do not like to share uh, my snacks to this day because they're mine. But a person, what I have learned in my long journey of relationships is that no one belongs to me. And if someone does, then we have a a very unhealthy configuration. Mm -hmm. And eventually that's going to become a problem. Uh, because if someone's mine, then I'm probably theirs. And then uh, all the trouble that comes with owning another person <laughs> will arise. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone's going to want to break out of that as soon as possible. But I understand what the the uh, the listener has said. And I appreciate the sharing of the perspective. And uh, I'm sure that what this person has stated resonates with many of our listeners, but it's, it's interesting. Or I think it's important to challenge the framing of ownership and think of relationships uh, more in terms of their agency and the freedom that comes from, from choosing each and every day to love the person you love. Thoughts? Ashe? <laughs> we have uh, one final perspective to share for a response. To the question of the day, um, I have a bay and a boo, and I used to think that one person could fulfill all my needs, and I wanted to do the same for someone else, but realized that's not possible. Okay. Any any thoughts on that on that final reading, that final perspective, that final story? Look, I'm just happy for her. I mean, she's been very I- clear. I love how, I mean, I love how these kind of bays and boos, like, you know, like, it's very clear, like, what's working. They have meaning. These people have meaning. And she's creating terms that work for her. It sounds like a really, really, it sounds like something healthy. And it sounds like there's constant conversation about it. Um, right. Right. You know, I was, and, I was thinking the same the confidence thing. And in, in, in just stating that is, is, is absolutely beautiful. Can't be mad at that. Nope. We're a little biased, I think. obviously (laughs) well that's gonna uh wrap it up that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of black queer love on ethical non-monogamy part one we're gonna have to definitely uh revisit this topic and and continue to cover some of the questions that you all raise with us and um Perhaps even hear from you about what you think about what we said. Please feel free to share. Hit us up on Gmail. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up wherever you might find us in these streets. And so, signing off. Love you much. The sexual ethicists. (laughs) (laughs) Peace and light. The storyteller. Do love. Jay Hooper. The body practitioner. Holler. Here at Black Queer Love, we value our stories as Black queer people. Our stories of Black queer love, of Black queer healing, Black queer thriving, and so much more. We've asked that you share your stories through short narratives, poetry, art, and the like to be shared on our show either by using your name or anonymously. And so now we want to share a poem read by... 
Story, written by and shared by Nadia Marie. I hope you can see the broken pieces of me are no more of a preeminent picture of your imperfection. And while you so purposefully pressing the pressures of your precious pussy onto the next popular possession, I guess you pimpin', prantin', problematically passing on your hurts, not seeing the poison in your pizzazz. You so focus on the ass, you don't see your past in front of you, perceiving your thieving spirit as a pleasing experience. You're perplexed, soul-tying, lying, rolling, riding. You provoke broken images of love, and as one puzzle piece together, your present self, you're powerless, cowardice. You're afraid to let the pleasures of love heal you, so you peel back the insecurities of your forsaken mate and play checkers with chess pawn pieces and bond logic with lust. You fucking people up. No one can be the queen to your queen or the king to your queen if you never let anyone in between your parietal lobes and into the centers of your soul and creativity. I can't mirror me, but somehow I saw my reflection in you. I praised you, made you out to be some character in my fable. I made you, made you out to be the reality and what you hope will remain a fantasy. The positivity in my hopes of our possibility led you to believe your actions were anything less than preposterous. Because to you, you're not this monstrous queen, just a gift of crazy that you think is unseen. So I hope you can see the broken pieces of me are no more of a preeminent picture of your imperfection. And while you so purposefully pressing the pressures of your precious pussy onto the next popular possession, forget me. We dedicate this episode to Carice Lewis, Shanta Myers, Brandy Mills, Jeremiah Myers, and Shanice Myers. Carice was murdered and burned to death in the trunk of a car in Washington, D.C. And Shantae and Brandy were murdered in Troy along with Shantae's two children.